Well, it is good to be back. We had a great time in holidays. We spent a week on Bowen Island with a good friend at their place. And by about the second day, the, the Seashelt fire was giving us a lot of ashes and not a lot of view, if you understand. But we had a terrific time away. And then we returned and we celebrated last weekend George and Kathy Karen's 50th wedding anniversary in the cusp. That was a lot of fun. And so I'm very thankful uh, for Doris Staggs and Terry Young, who uh, were so willing and gracious to preach and did an awesome job. I listened to both of them online, uh, which you can too if you've missed uh, through the summer. And I'm just so thankful for them. We're in the fourth week of a summer series, Living the Proverbial Good Life. And kind of the idea behind our series today is, is that everyone wants a good life. You know, if you ask a friend, family member, a kid, you know, somebody, somebody you work with, if you were to ask them and drill down on like, what do they want out of life, like what would a good life look for them, people would describe very similar things. They, they want to have a good, they want to have good friendships. They want to have good relationships. They want to have a great marriage. They want to have healthy bodies. They want healthy kids. They they would like to have financial security. People want significance and, and purpose in life. Everybody wants it. No one sort of sets out or tries to design a life that's going to just totally suck. Right? No one sets out to do that. No one thinks up you know, key ways they can just make their life head into the ditch somewhere. People don't strive for that. No one decides to get up in the morning and think, you know what, I'd like to to surround myself with some friends that would stab me in the back, a spouse that would betray me. I'd really like to find some work that would just drain the soul out of me so that at the end of each day, I can wonder again why I live in the first place. What I'm really looking for is a broken body and a broken bank account with no sense of... Nobody sets out to live a life like that. We all want a good life. And yet, based on choices that we make, we often get the kind of life we actually didn't want. Did you hear that? And around us, we can see people in our lives, heartbreaking examples of people making choices that we know. Maybe because we made those choices in the past, so we learned from experience. But we can look at them and go, oh no, don't do that. Please don't make that decision. You know, don't, don't go down that path. We know where it's going to lead because maybe we ourselves have tried that path out and realized it led nowhere. So how do we change that? How do we turn around? How do we make those choices? Well, in this series, we're looking at the wisdom of the Proverbs and we realize that what the Proverbs says is we can grow toward that good life. We can begin to experience the good things that God intends us to experience in life by making the kind of choices that would lead there. Making the kind of choices that God says are wise choices, good choices, healthy choices. And that's why we're looking at the Proverbs this summer. The Proverbs are this, is this amazing collection that was gathered over time, 31 chapters. We've been doing a little bit of a reading challenge this summer. Uh, simple, really. There's 31 days in July, 31 days in August. And so what we've been challenging everyone to do is, uh, whatever day of the month it is, read that chapter in the Proverbs. So today is January, uh, January. <laughs> Try that again. Today is July, what? 19th. So today you would read what? Oh, wow. Really, it's awesome. There are, have been a few mornings where I had to go look at the calendar. Where am I? 
That was on holidays, you understand. Um, you, you lose track of days on holidays too, don't you? Yes. So uh, there I am on, you know, July 12th or whatever, and, and, and this is the chapter I read. And so we've been reading through the Proverbs, this collection of wisdom sayings. And what the Proverbs does is through a very deliberate, often right in the individual verse, it deliberately contrasts wisdom and foolishness, good choices and bad choices. And it shows us often what a good choice looks like, where it leads us, and also the opposite of that, what stupid choices look like and where that might lead us. And so we're digging into the Proverbs. Um, each week of this series, we've been trying to sort of answer the basic question, how do I live the good life? And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, Doris opened up our, the second of our series with this key advice. If you want to live a good life, we need to work hard. That's actually one of the main principles in the Proverbs is that we need to work hard. All through the Proverbs, the wisdom of hard work is contrasted with the foolishness of laziness. That the good things we want in life, from healthy bodies to musical talent to good marriages, they're only going to come if we're willing to put some work into it. And often we think of our day jobs as work or maybe a particular thing, project you've got going on. And of course it covers that. But what Doris challenged us with is that we we think of all of our lives. Maybe there's an area in our lives where God is calling us to work at something. Or maybe there's a relationship that needs to be repaired. And we recognize that in order to experience what we all want to experience in life, it it doesn't just kind of happen by accident. It's going to happen as we get deliberate. Because we know from the Proverbs that hard work pays off. And as we are diligent we begin to experience some of those things in our life. I, if, if I've said something that just offended you, I encourage you to go and listen to Doris's sermon because it's much better than what I just said. There we go. Oh, so uh, last week, uh, Terry Young uh, unveiled uh, one of the most dominant themes in Proverbs. It's the one that just sticks out everywhere. If your eyes are attuned to it, you will see it all through the Proverbs. If we want to experience the good life, we need to watch our words. It's a powerful one, isn't it? To watch our words. How we speak holds the very power of life and death. And we can all recall a time when we wish we could take back that word we had spoken, right? So much of life can flourish or destruct based on the words that we speak. And so we can look around and see ways that our own lives or others, their lives have been harmed or or have, have not been all that they'd hoped they'd be because because of the words that were, that were spoken. The Proverbs are very, very practical. You want to live a good life? Work hard. Watch your words. And each Sunday this uh, summer, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see uh, something highlighted that answers that question, how do we live that good life? Well, today, the Proverbs yields up more wisdom. If you want to experience a truly good life, always be honest. Always be honest. Now, I struggled with this because, doesn't that sound trite to you? I mean, didn't you learn this in kindergarten? Don't lie. Always tell the truth. Be honest. Have integrity. Every one of us sitting here goes, yeah, no kidding. This is not shocking information. This is not original. And you're, you're all bracing yourselves for 20 minutes of boredom. I struggled with that. I really did this week. I thought, oh my goodness, like... Always be honest. How are we going to talk about this in a way that's even meaningful for you? Most of you whom I know are pretty honest people. Okay? And yet, I realized we need to take a look around because how many friendships have we witnessed in our own lives 
maybe your own friendships, that have been shattered by dishonesty. Maybe sometimes an outright lie. Maybe because people failed to be honest in the relationship. I've confessed to you before that one of my struggles is I avoid conflict. I don't like it when we have a problem. I like to smooth everything over. Is anyone with me in that category? So, guess when I struggle to be honest? When I know you're going to hate me for it. I wrestle with that. I do. I don't like giving those, I don't like saying that kind of stuff because I want you to like me. Does anyone have a similar struggle in that? No, none of you? You're struggling to be honest right now, aren't you? Okay, yeah. So, some of us struggle with that. How many marriages, how many marriages have died because vows have not been kept? Think about it. Look around. We have kids that grow up in homes where the mom or maybe the dad just constantly lie. We have boys that watch dads cut corners on their taxes or take advantage of their employers. We have girls that are told to hide their true selves, putting up false fronts in order to be liked or accepted. Maybe you've actually heard, I don't know, maybe you've heard of a business or two that actually went under because some suit was cooking the books. Have you ever heard any organizations? Yeah. Maybe a cop or two got in trouble for abusing power or taking advantage. Maybe you've witnessed a politician who's lost their bearings. Or maybe it was just a friend at school that really wasn't all you had thought they were. Everyone believes in honesty. They really do. It's, a, it's like a, I, I was thinking, it's really a cultural value, right? You could say that honesty is a cultural value, but if you did, you'd be lying in the actual sense that it's lived out, right? So we all say honesty is something we value, and yet dishonesty is everywhere. It's, it's rampant. When push comes to shove, when the advantage of lying or, or hiding something or you know, cutting that corner, if it leads to our favor, if it hurts too much to come clean, honesty is out like last week's dessert. We just think, well, in this particular case, I'll just, I'll just hide that. I'll just... Just kind of get creative with the truth. Well, what does this do to our lives? How does this affect the the good life that we want? The Proverbs sets up this contrast. It's pretty hard hitting. The contrast between wisdom and foolishness, particularly as it applies to honesty. And it shows us where each pathway leads. Let's just explore that for a bit. Our, Our key verse today, did everyone get these when you came in? You got these? So our key verse, we've been giving out a key verse every week. If you don't have one, there's some more at the back. And they're for you to take along. You can put them in your car, or on your fridge, or on your you know, uh, desk, at work, whatever. Uh, this is the key problem we're looking at today. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. The reality is dishonesty creates insecurity, doesn't it? Think about it. If you can't trust the people around you, Friends at school, buddies at work, politicians, spouses. If, if, if we're the kind of people that only choose honesty when it benefits us, then we're never going to know if we can trust the people around us, if we can trust what they're doing. Trust erodes when honesty's optional. You hear that? Trust erodes when honesty's optional. 
And here's the thing. That good life that everyone wants, the good relationships, the meaningful work, the healthy bodies, the financial security, all of that can be ruined through a lack of integrity, through an act of dishonesty. Trust erodes and the good life suddenly slips out of our fingers what we had always wanted. And some of you know what that's really like. You yourself have painful memories, uh, hurtful experiences. Maybe you've suffered financially due to somebody else's dishonesty. Maybe you've suffered financially due to your own. Maybe we can recognize in our own lives, and our own stories, the painful way or the painful effect that dishonesty has had in our own lives. Nothing destroys the good life we all want more quickly than the loss of trust that comes from dishonesty. But we also know that when we're surrounded by people who have integrity, friends who live transparently, spouses who speak the truth in love, and employees who work for their pay, and politicians who serve their constituents, that we're actually able to trust them. We're able to we see that demonstrated in their lives, and we're able to walk more securely, as the Proverbs says. This doesn't mean that everything always goes right for the honest person. Correct? Is that right? sometimes being honest and having integrity in a world where others are not wanting to have integrity, not wanting you to have integrity, makes them look bad, can cause problems. But the promise of the Proverbs is still clear that when a person is honest, when they don't cut those corners, when they maintain business integrity, when they don't cut down their neighbor and slander others or slander their boss or their mother-in-law, whoever, people like that, they don't go through life wondering when the shoe is going to drop, Right? That's where their security comes from. They don't wonder, when is that lie I told about that person going to surface? When am I eventually going to get fired once my boss finds this out? When will that indiscretion be detected? Will that bluff be called? And so they live with insecurity because of their lack of integrity. Integrity creates security. Whoever walks in in integrity walks securely. But dishonesty erodes trust. The Proverbs uh, paints some beautiful word pictures about honesty. I wanted to lead you through just a couple of them. I hope as you've been reading the Proverbs, you've been seeing... The, but this is, this is one of my favorite, uh, the next picture. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. You know, like that. It doesn't always feel like a kiss on the lips. But I, I love this word picture because it says something about the, the willingness to be intimate. The willingness to open oneself up. The willingness to really love. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. How about this one? The righteous hate what is false, but the wicked make themselves a stench and bring shame on themselves. And then right in the next verse, righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. The Proverbs gives us quite a number of pictures about how God views honesty. Here's one. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. This is from Proverbs 6. So seven things he's going to list that God just hates. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. He's a liar, I'm sure of it. Uh, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. It's very interesting when you read that. There's quite a number of things in here that explicitly refer to honesty, or you recognize are ways that honesty can have effect in community. 
The Proverbs just lay it on how the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Now, I like this one. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. What do these Proverbs tell us? That God loves honesty because honesty is a reflection of his good character. And he recognizes that when people live that out in their relationships, they will experience the goodness that he longs for them to experience. God's good character is a character of truth, right? And I'm so glad about this. It's something that uh, we actually focused a bit on today as we were singing, to, to, to give praise to God who is so good and so trustworthy, so faithful. The God of the Bible is all truth. He's, he's never false with us. You don't have to wonder if God is going to lie to you. If he's going to change his word so that suddenly everything's working to his advantage. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life we hear in in John's Gospel. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can hold on to this, especially if we've been in experiences where dishonesty has racked our relationships, has destroyed our lives. Maybe we're still recovering from that. We can remember that we can hold on to God who is true, who will not fail us. And it's His character that is then expressed through us as his images, created to look like him and through our actions to demonstrate his goodness in the world. There's two areas in the Proverbs that get a lot of attention on on honesty. Does anyone want to guess what they are? Two areas that the Proverbs seem to pay special attention to. Oh, there we go. There they are right there. I gave the gas a question and just gave it away. These two areas... um, I summarize it judicial and economic, but there's a lot of Proverbs that go on and on about being honest in our witness, particularly focused on the courts. And it just, it just, we've heard a lot of them already, but here's, here's a sample one. Proverbs 14.25, a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. You'll see all through the Proverbs, the, the value of honesty in life, but particularly as it applies to the courts, and the devastation caused when witnesses or judges have been corrupted. There's a warning given that God will come and rule on behalf of those who have had injustice done to them. An example of that um, in Proverbs 23, do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless. This would be people taking advantage of people who don't have social power um, and they're out there moving the, moving the fences, as it were, so that their field is suddenly bigger than grandma's next door. Don't do that, Proverbs 23. For their defender is strong and he will take up their case against you. Wow, that's scary stuff. So that's the honesty and witness. We're going to come back to that a little bit. But the other area in business dealings, the Proverbs just hammer away on the importance of having integrity in our work. Integrity in our business. Over and over again in a variety of ways. Here's a few. A wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. Proverbs twenty seventeen: Food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouthful of gravel. 
And then we see this theme a lot. You already heard it earlier. It's a different verse, but similar. Proverbs 20, 23. The Lord detests differing weights. That's the guy who says, well, this weight represents one pound, but really it doesn't. And it's ripping the person off that they're purchasing from. Dishonest scales do not please them. They're all over the place. Now, we can really see how this applies to society, right? We can recognize, and I think as Canadians, be thankful for the way that honesty can be done here in Canada and honesty in the courts. And we can, there's, a, there's a measure of trust we can have. I'm not saying that people are honest across the board, obviously, but we can be very thankful for that. We can see how when people in business don't have integrity, things can really go off the tracks. And when we can't trust, or maybe we look at some places in the world where you just can't trust the law. You can't trust the courts. You don't know if you're going to really be, uh, you know, fairly represented. You know, just this morning, um, I don't know how many of you uh, follow the Bible in one year. It's one of the many, many uh, reading plans available through the U version. But just this morning, uh, in the comment, I'm reading the Bible in one year, which gives every day gives a, a, a bunch of readings and a little bit of commentary by Nikki Gumbel from Alpha. Just this morning, as I'm, you know, thinking about this sermon today, uh, this is what I read at the start of the commentary today. At age 31, Gary Hahn was appointed an officer, the officer in charge of the United Nations Genocide Investigation in Rwanda. Now he's the president and CEO of International Justice Mission, which I think many of you have heard of, a human rights organization based in Washington, D.C. Listen to this. Gary believes that the biggest problem on earth is not too little democracy or too much poverty or too few antiviral AIDS medicines, but the biggest cause of suffering is the fact that two-thirds of the world live outside the protection of the law. A lack of justice has a terrible effect on many of the world's poor. Well, that was fascinating to read that this morning and be reminded. And that's why as Christians, we pray for our government, our officials, our, our, our businesses. We, we pray that people in positions of power, whether it's within the law or within politics or in the business world, that they will have integrity as a community. And that's why we vote the way we do and that's why we pray the way we do. I, uh, I know from our time, we spent some time in the in Central Asia, at a country that was one of the former Soviet republics. And I know, uh, hearing these young students, what a struggle it is to live in a society where uh, you have to bribe to get anything done. And these students just agonize over it, both Muslim and Christian students, because they, they know it's wrong. And they don't want to live this way, and yet you just can't even get in the door, you can't even get a grade from your teacher unless you paid for a certain amount. And they, sometimes the grades were even posted. If you want to get an A, here's what you need to pay. If you want to get a B, here's you, you know what I'm saying? How, what a struggle that is. And then for young uh, people uh, trying to start a business and all the wheels that need to be greased so you can just get a permit, let alone start a business. You know that one of the dominant primary challenges of Christians around the world in some of these countries is this. How do you live as salt and light in a country where it seems like you have to be corrupted to get anything done? How do you do that? How do you be a witness to the truth 
in, in something that's so compromised. And so we pray for our brothers and sisters. We, we pray for change to happen in, in, in countries like that. We recognize how difficult that is. And we continue to pray for our own country, for integrity, that people will be held to account. So that's true as a society. I think we kind of recognize that and we, and we know that. We need to be thankful and we need to pray. But there's a danger, I think, that we would keep the sort of judicial and economic kind of at a 10,000-foot level and not ask, well, how does that really apply to me? Like, how, what does that have to do with me? So just for a few minutes, let's just look, look at that. The first one, this judicial thing, has to do with speaking the truth about people or at least uh, witnessing to the truth about people. And I was, I was thinking about that and realizing that, you know, there may be some of us that really struggle to tell the truth about others. But that, that's the reality. Maybe we've been in situations where in order to somehow uh, navigate the waters, uh, somehow even, even work our way through what's going on, we've had, to, we've had to tell lies about people, even in our own hearts. We've had, to, we've had to make decisions like that. I don't know. There's many reasons that we're not honest about others. Sometimes it's because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Sometimes we just don't like them, or we're prejudiced, racism or sexism or whatever. Sometimes I think it's because we're not honest about our own selves, our own sin, our own struggles. And as a result, it's really difficult to be honest about others. And so I, I do want to make a direct challenge. If you have struggled with honesty, if you struggle to speak the truth about people, if you've struggled to see what is true for, for yourself, I want you to hear the challenge in the Proverbs. I want to encourage you to take the words of the Proverbs this summer and let Jesus do a work in your heart that you would let no lie pass from your lips, that you would think the truth about the people in your lives, that you would, within your own heart and with your life, bear truthful witness about other people, that you would make decisions to be quiet when you're tempted to say something that's just a little off from what is true. So I want to challenge you if, you're, if you have a struggle in that area. But I think what I was really struck by is that the need to drive this a little deeper for all of us. Because you see, I think one of the biggest ways we're not honest, where we bear false witness, if I can put it that way, is when we fail to see people in light of what is most true about them. That is, when we fail to see the people around us in the light of God's love for them. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is nothing more true about the people that you and I interact with every day. There is nothing more true about that family member you struggle with. There's nothing more true about that irritating neighbor down the street. There's nothing more true about them than the fact that God loved them so much that he would send Jesus, his one and only son, to take their place to die in their place so that they could live. There's nothing more true than that about them. And when I fail to see people in the light of the grace of Jesus, then I, this is what struck me, I am not being honest about who they are. And I end up bearing, if I can put it this way, false witness about them and about their situation. When I make a judgment call or a decision, in my heart or with my mouth about someone that, takes, that fails to take into account what is most true about them, God's love for them, 
that I end up being a liar. That really challenged me. That really challenged me. Can I be really practical here? This is one of the reasons we're offering the Pickers lunch. This is one of the reasons. Not the only reason. You want to just show appreciation. But one of the reasons we're offering the Pickers lunch on Friday is to show God's love so that we can see the Pickers, if I can, for this morning, for the purposes of this conversation, put them in a category, so that we can see them in the light of what is truly true about them, that they're loved by God. That they're desired by God. And that's important for the cherry pickers. We, we had a group of them here this morning. One of them uh, played for a, a while while we practiced the songs today. And we chatted a little bit. And his comment was, back in Quebec, there aren't churches like this. I mean, there are, but in his experience, there wasn't. And so we're singing oceans with him. And this is amazing love with him. And this is, this is like totally new. We've never heard that song before. It's important that the pickers know that we see them in truth, that they are loved by God. But do you know what? This is where it gets challenging. It's important that we, maybe more important, that we as a church see the pickers in the light of God's truth, that he loves them. Because I know more than a few of us struggle in our hearts or as we drive by or as we see the garbage pile up over by the goat. We struggle in our hearts to see the pickers in the light of what is really true about them, God's love. And we can end up in our hearts essentially lying about them. I was really challenged by that. And maybe, maybe God has a challenge for you in that. Jesus is asking us, I think, are we telling the truth about others in our lives? Are we telling the truth about them in light of God's love? The second area the Proverbs goes on about is the integrity in our business. And I just want to say, you know, I am so thankful for the people in my life who run businesses with integrity. Aren't you? Because you know them, right? And many of you here in this congregation run businesses with integrity. Where you, you do right by your employees and you, you pay a living wage and you, and you, you, you keep your books clean and you, you do things right. And I am so thankful for people who have integrity in their businesses. It speaks volumes. And it's, it's really good for the community, isn't it? So this is, you know, this is one of those areas where the Proverbs applies directly to our lives, whether or not you're a Jesus follower. This is true. If you have integrity in business, it, it's good for everybody. And it's good for you. It breaks my heart when I see Christians who aren't having integrity, who are doing damage to their own name and ultimately to the name of Christ and the church when they're lacking uh, basic honesty in the way that they work, in the way that they bill, in the way that they treat their employees. They should be confronted for that. Um, it breaks my heart, and I think it breaks Jesus' heart too. So I want you to know, as, as Christians, how significant it is, those of you especially who are in business, how significant it is that you have integrity. It increases your influence in the community. It increases your ability to witness to Jesus. It's powerful stuff. Be encouraged. Many of us don't run business. We work for, for wages, or we have worked for wages. And there's much to be said in the Proverbs for us as well. 
giving an honest day's work is important. It's something that God cares about. In Proverbs 16.11, from the message, it says, God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is His business. We sometimes forget that. But if you're, if you're flipping burgers at Dairy Queen or, or, or planting trees or leading tours at the Wildlife Center, or who, who, what else we got going on here? Just looking at all the jobs you guys do and thinking, wow. There's so many ways that we can live out the honesty of Jesus in our work. When Proverbs 18.9 says, Slack habits and sloppy work are as bad as vandalism. Because you're stealing, right? And so we're challenged. Whether it's our business or whether it's our work, we're challenged, we're reminded that our business is God's business. In Colossians 3.23, we read, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Those words were said to slaves, but it applies to us in our work that everything we do, we don't just do it in reference to our boss. We don't just do it in reference to our paycheck. We don't just even be honest because we don't want to get caught. But we work as unto the Lord. I think uh, we're going to wrap up here. I was thinking, you may have stories that you can share about times in your life where honesty or dishonesty has had an effect. Some of those might be sensitive stories. Some of them might be stories about someone else. Uh, some of those might be stories that are really encouraged. But I want, I want to challenge you to tell those stories. Tell them to your kids. One of the ways that we can even hold up this value of honesty is by sharing with those around us, with our, with our kids, ways that honesty has created security, ways that honesty has been leading toward some of the good things. Not that it hasn't been difficult, but also laying out the warning that dishonesty can lead us down a path we don't want to go on. So what do we do to wrap it up? For those of us who struggle with honesty, for those of us who recognize, whether it's in the Proverbs or here this morning, that you know there's an area of my life where I am... I'm not fully honest. Maybe I'm not fully honest with myself. Maybe I'm not fully honest with God. Maybe I've said some things about someone else that are not true. Maybe just in my heart, there's an area where I've not been willing to be honest about. The challenge this morning, I think, is for each one of us to identify that area and to take it to God. Start there. Identify the area. Maybe it's just an area of personal growth. Maybe it's being honest with your spouse about a struggle that you've been having. Maybe, it, maybe there's an area in your business or in your life, your personal finances, that you've lacked integrity. To identify that area, to take it to God and to ask Him, what do you think of this, God? What would you like me to do? That's the first thing. And then secondly, I think for some of us, maybe the day-to-day being honest isn't a real struggle for us. But today as we talked about how we view others, whether or not we view them in light of what is truly true, that God loves them, maybe each, uh, maybe there's been some of you that have been able to identify that in your own hearts, that you haven't been fully honest about the people in your life that you've written off, that you've set aside, that you've judged. And Jesus is calling you to bring that to him and to repent and let his truth about you, about the people around you, about the situation that you're in, Let his truth determine your response.
God is truth. And he's called us to live in truth with this promise that whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. I pray that his honesty will be lived out through us, transforming the relationships that we have and witnessing to him who is the truth. Let's pray. Jesus, we are thankful for your love for us. We're thankful for you, the truth, that you have come to us and are living in us as a church, as your people. And that if there are areas in our lives that don't quite line up, that don't reflect your truth, I pray that you would reveal that to us and in your grace, close the gap. May we be a people of truth who speak the truth, who live the truth, who think the truth, who allow your word to put the truth into our hearts and our minds so that our interactions, our relationships, our business, our life is a living demonstration of your truth. Lived in grace. Thank you today for all that you've given to us. In your name we pray. Amen.